talk to you about this uh, planted by God, the idea of being planted by God. Um, the context of chapter 15 is Jesus, as God manifests in the flesh, rebukes and reveals, if I may say peels back the hypocrisy of externalism, externalism. Externalism is something we easily fall into. You and I easily fall in to faking it till we make it, to pretending and not being real. But what God's looking for is people that are real. Uh, the devil's a deceiver. He's a faker. He, he represents things different than they really are. As you know from sin, he represents sin as the best thing you ever did and ends up being the worst thing you ever did. Sin, after it is finished, bringeth forth death. And that's the end of it all. He's a liar, the father of it. The Bible talks about him. And let's read these passages, a few verses here, and I'll make a few comments. Then came his disciples and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Pharisees were offended after they heard this saying? And he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father hath not planted shall be rooted up. Let them alone. Don't worry about them. Don't let your mind be caught up with the faults. Don't be consumed with what the new evangelical is going to be doing, or the liberal is going to be doing, or the moderate is going to be doing, or somebody who changes the word of God, what they're doing. Don't worry about them. Don't worry about them. I'll take care of them, God's telling you. Let them alone. They be blind leaders of the blind. My mother used to quote this to me. They be blind leaders of the blind, and if they be blind, lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. My mother quoted that to me when I would want to do something that my friends were doing. And she said, what are you? If they decide to jump off the cliff, you're going to follow them? How many mothers ever said that? Where do they get this stuff? Oh, from the Bible. Oh, yeah. She said, well, the blind lead the blind. You both fall in the ditch. Because I'd say to my, her some stupid request, say, oh, I want to do this because my friends are doing it. And she'd say, what are you going to do? Because your friends smoke, you're going to smoke. Because your friends drink, you're going to drink. Because your friends do drugs, you're going to do drugs. And she said, what are you, stupid? I didn't birth no stupid children. I miss that, don't you? Wouldn't you like your mother today just to chew you out one more time? Wouldn't it be sweet? What was it that Jesus said that offended these people? We're not going to go back and look at that. You're just going to have to trust me on this. You'll have to go back later and look. For from chapter 15, verse 1, down here to thir verse 13, he basically laid it on them pretty heavy. I'll read you a couple verses. Verses 7 through 9. You hypocrites, that ought to do it. Well, did Isaiah, or Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart, is far from me, but in vain. And there's a whole bunch of this going on all over the world today and every day. But in vain, 
They do worship me. Now, worship who? Worship who? Buddha? No. Islam? No. Muhammad? No. They worship me. God. In other words, the God of all that is. They, they, they do worship him by name, but they do it in vain. Vain means with no production, no use. It's empty. Teaching for doctrines, the commandments of men. And one of the reasons why they, te- why they worship, they worship, but he doesn't give them any credit. Because he says they do it in vain. They do it for nothing because they worship according to their own doctrine, their own set of rules. They've made up the way it is. You know, there's always been a group of people that liked religion. They, 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 they want to go to heaven. You can't blame them for that. They want, they want their sins forgiven in a general way. And, you, and the pyramids throughout the world, Peru and all these other, Egypt and all these other, are attestation that people somehow know that they need to make something right when they go on the other side. All those pyramids and everything are attestation of men's inherent understanding that they're guilty before the God that created everything, and somehow they want to make it right. So they want their sins forgiven in a measure. Uh, And they want the benefits of good. Oh, there's deep benefits of doing good. Deep benefits. But they just do not want to attain those things God's way. They, make, they want to make up their own way. They want to make up their own definitions. Uh, they want God to be the way they define him. They want him to appear the way they want him to appear. And they want to appear righteous by the set of their own rules. I've had people tell me, God would never send anyone to hell because he's just, a loving God would just never do that. And I just want to say, by whose definition? Right? They've defined God as a loving God, and they've, they've defined love as a, such a love that would never condemn a sinner and send him to a place called hell, which we know the Bible says is absolutely the way it is going to happen. And Jesus speaking so much about it, warning so much about it, coming and dying on the cross to save men from hell, not willing that any should perish, but yet allowing and honoring the free will of man. And yet they'll, say, they'll stand there and look at you a flat-footed and say, oh, God wouldn't do that. Well, they worship God in vain because they do it after their own commandment, after their own doctrine. Um, Jesus knew the heart of man. He, he knows what's in your heart this morning. John chapter 2, verse 24, 25 says this, but Jesus did not commit himself unto them because he knew all men and needed not that any should testify of man for he knew what was in man. I get a kick out of people trying to do stuff and hide from God. He knows the very thoughts and intents of your heart. He's got you, he's got you before you ever verbally say anything, before you ever move. He already knows where you want to go. But, you know, God, Jesus Christ, the Bible makes it clear, King James Bible, uh, in Timothy, that God was manifest in the flesh. He is the fullness of the Godhead bodily in Colossians chapter 2, verse 9. So many other places. John 1, 1. Hebrews chapter 1. Tonight, if you'll come tonight, I'm going to talk to you about the most disputed, attacked doctrine of the whole Bible. It is the deity of Jesus Christ. 
And, the, and man, you just got to get a grip on this. This was not a good man. This just was not another prophet. This just was not John the Baptist. This was Jesus Christ, the son of the very living God. The one that spoke, according to Colossians, spoke everything that you see and everything Hubble Telescope sees into existence. Now, that ups the game a little bit, doesn't it? You're talking about the God of all that is. Uh, he looks through our facade. He looks through the fake. He looks through the pretend. He looks through the show. Uh, he looks through any faults that we may have because the truth is nobody fools God. But let me say this. You say, Brother Bill, that's, you're stating the obvious. I'm only stating that because so many people believe their own lie. They believe their own doctrine that they make up. Uh, that they can somehow do something and God not know what it is. He sees in the dark. The psalmist in 139 Verse 11 says, surely the darkness shall cover me. Even the, If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be a light about me. Now, that was before they understood night vision. Now, I don't want to sit any more time on this, but the Bible's a science book. God knew about night vision long before men knew how to do it. You know, owls can see in the night. I mean, deer can see in the night. Lots of our animals, rabbits and things can see in the night. They have the ability to, for night vision. Men didn't have it till just recently. And it was crude at the beginning. It's a little bit better now. But night vision, he says, if I say, oh, I'm going to hide in the dark, he said, it'll be a light about me because God sees through the dark. Everything you do, and will do, will be made clear someday. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5. Um, it says, Judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the consuls of the heart. Think about what I just said. The very consuls of the heart. Do you ever, you ever catch yourself thinking something that's just not right? And everybody said. I feel lonely up here, but I mean, I've caught myself thinking some dark things, dark things. And I go, wait, whoa, whoa, Bill, you'll wake up almost kind of like say, stop, stop. I've memorized the verse that says, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart, my mind, my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. I usually am rebuked of the Holy Spirit at that time. And I'll say, God, I want my meditations. I want my consoles to be right, to be pure, to be of thee. God's got to help you with that. And he'll make manifest the consoles of the heart. I think it's time that we step as Christians, step forward, come clean with God while you can. You know, there'll be a time you can't come clean because it'll be over. My, my brother Hal Hightower and his son was in the back. I was in the pasture seat going down this, this uh, turtleback road with about six inches of snow and a real heavy blizzard. And uh, we're going down the road. Those guys up there, they drive crazy. I'm just going to say it for the record. They drive crazy. People live up there drive crazy. They're doing 45 mile an hour. I mean, what in the world? And a, a, a head-on had happened ahead of us, and we, we didn't see it. And when we got there, there wasn't anything to do. We ended up hitting one of the cars head-on. Another head-on, double head-on. That woman's day wasn't going well. And, uh, you know, 
You may not have time to come clean with God. I had come clean with God the three hours I sat in the tree stand with nothing to do. I had confessed my sins, my wife's sins, my kids' sins. It took me a long time for Troy, but I got through him. But uh, I'm telling you what, man. I mean, you know, you got three hours. Oh, hunting. That's what they call a hunting, not killing. You just, I'm, I'm done with it. I'm over. It's time for you and me to renounce the hidden things of dishonesty. It's time to come clean with God. And when you come clean with God, you'll come clean with man. You'll come clean vertically. You'll come clean horizontally. The first four commandments of the Ten Commandments deal with your vertical relationship with God. But the other six deal with the horizontal relationship with God. Uh, you, you can't get right with God without getting right with man. But the first thing you need to do is get, come clean with God and say, look, you know, you know who I am. You see through me. You know my internal counsels. You know whether they're true and right and godly and biblical, or you know whether they're in error or in vain. You know. Come clean. Renounce the hidden things of dishonesty. I like in 2 Corinthians, you want to look it up, 2 Corinthians 4.2 says, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, nor, nor not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. What it amounts to is, if I allow you to look at my life, take a look at my life, look at me. You see anything that's, that's wrong, tell me about it. You see something that's defiling, tell me about it. You see something that isn't, am I cheating somebody? Am I, am I lying? Am I doing, help me, help me. That's what we ought to be like. Not, oh, they criticize me. Brothers, a preacher, one thing I learned about is to accept criticism and to use it, use it for the glory of God, to become a better representative of the Lord Jesus Christ. God basically demands of us. He demands of us as born-again Christians. If you are a plant that God planted, then you're going to have a sense of, of basic honesty that God has planted in you because you're a recipient of the Holy Spirit. And you have the Holy Ghost in you. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus. You've been born again, born from heaven. Your name's been written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. Brother, you should be uh, honest. If nothing else, you should be honest. You should be real. Not a, now, you're not going to be perfect. You know, you have moments that, you know, that you're not that way. But you repent of it as soon as you realize it. The God of truth will not tolerate dishonesty of any kind. If you somehow think that you're going to talk God into living with a part of your life that's dishonest, he's not going to do it. Why? Because men, men love darkness rather than light. And because they love darkness rather than light, they actually hate the light. Jesus said, men don't just not like righteousness, the light. They hate it naturally. So you and I as Christians, naturally, as old, old, the old man in us, are repelled by the light. But the Holy Spirit in us welcomes the light and the honesty, and we, we, we go to it. It's just time to say, hey, I'm going to make everything in my life uh, up to where God wants it to be. I'm going to bring it up there. 
Because, oh, you say, well, it makes me uncomfortable. Uh, it should. You have to get uncomfortable to get better. Have you ever gone to the doctor and you had, you know, he had to take out some stitches? I had a bunch of staples in me one time, and they'd been in me for probably a little too long. And they started growing around the staples. And the doctor came over to me with this torture instrument. And he said, this is going to be a little uncomfortable. Now, I've heard lies before. <laughs> I knew that was going. I said, he said, just lay back, shut up. And man, he popped that first one. Whoa, that was like a bee sting. He says, oh, there's only, you only got 10 more to go or 12 more to go, whatever it was. Oh, man. I said, don't you have some numbing stuff? He says, what are you, a sissy? That old school of doctor, brother, was a whole different school. If they had to use anesthesia, you were some kind of girly boy. It's the truth. The first dentist I ever went to, and he didn't believe in using Novocaine. He drilled on my, he drilled on my teeth and filled them without Novocaine. I've been drilled, I've been tortured. It's the truth. And so I understand what it means to be uncomfortable to get better. I had a filling, I had a cavity, it was eating my tooth out. The guy had to drill down into that, hitting the nerve. That was always real. Boom, hit that nerve. And then he'd drill it, he'd, he'd have to rough it up. And then he'd put some stuff in there and some bleach in there. I think there's some acid in there and etch it. Then he put that, that silver compound material in there and, and push it in there. And, oh, man, by the time I got out of there, I was sweating, man. I mean, I was, it was very, very uncomfortable. But you know what? It saved my tooth. And God does that for us. You come to church. Look, church is not a place to be always, always comfortable. Sometimes a message ought to make you uncomfortable. Sometimes a message ought to make you mad. Sometimes a message, the Word of God ought to take you out to your car and say, I'm never going back to that place again. But you know better. You know you heard the truth. And that's what you really want. The truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth to so help you, God. You don't want some panhandler up here telling you what you want to hear so he can get your tithe and, and go down the road. Brother, the Word of God will put you in pain. It'll make you squeal. It'll make you squeal. Uh, it's like a very bright light. Recently, I had a, a vitreous detachment. Don't you love this? You know, when I was young, I talked about fish and hunting. Now I talk about physical problems. <laughs> vitreous. And, and they went in there with this bright light. How many of you have had that look? They take that real bright light and put it in your eye and go, oh, man, it's like somebody punching you in the eye. That's the way the Word of God is. You read the Word of God and the Holy Spirit said, that's you. You go, like, whoa. Expect a reaction like that. Expect it. It'll put you in pain because you're, you're, of your long exposure to, to, uh, to, to falsehood, to darkness. Once the truth comes, it is a little uncomfortable. It is painful. It is shocking. But I'm going to tell you this. God is looking for people who love the light. Who will turn away from darkness and who will turn to honesty and will turn to integrity and will turn to reality and will turn away from hypocrisy and turn to being truthful and, and, it, and it despise this way of life, this old way of life, this darkness way of life. That's who God is looking for. Do you want transparency or do you want to hide? 
You want your sins to be brought in the open? You know, the best thing ever happened to me as a young believer is when they gave them old-fashioned invitations to the end of the sermon, and I would get under conviction, the old preacher said, now come down here and make it right with God. Make it right. And I'd finally say, okay, I'm going down. And I'd walk in front of all those people who knew me because it's a small town, small church, and everybody knew us, and that's like tells kid he's going up, when he's going up there for, they were talking. I didn't care what they were saying. I didn't care what they were guessing. Uh, I just wanted to get right with God. You know, God's looking for people like that. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth looking for people like that. And one day, I remember one day, I'm going to do this. I shouldn't do it, but I'm going to do it. I've done a lot of things I shouldn't do. But Nick Carbon showed up here, renegade, outlaw Josie Wales. And Nick shows up, and he heard the truth, and he wanted it. And he turned away from that. Every one of you that got saved, every one of you saved in here this morning have had that experience. You were one time lost, one time in darkness, one time uh, buying into the world, buying into the lies. And, and, and you came and you heard the Bible preached and something strange happened, something miraculous happened, the foolishness of preaching. And God came to you and he whispered and he said, of all the, the, the junk you've heard, what you're hearing right now is truth. And you said, what? Well, how do I know it's truth? I'm just telling you, that still small voice said it's truth. And you said, I want it. That happened to Brother Knott, happened to his wife, happened to everybody, happened to Brother Neil, happened to his wife. I'm just picking them out. Happened to Brother Jeff, I'm hoping it happens to his wife. I believe, she, I believe she's saved. But what offended, let me, let me, let me regress here for a second. What offended the Pharisees so much in this chapter 15 of Matthew that for verses 1 through 12. What offended them so much? He said, you folks are supposed to be the most bestest, biggest, baddest, I mean, nicest, most religious, purest, uh, most religiously educated people. You're the Pharisees. Why, you are the Sadducees. You are the Sanhedrin. You are the epitome of what every young Jewish man would, be, would want to become, and you are a den of hypocrites. You are, your heart is no more for God. You're just doing a facade. You're faking it. Now, I'm going to tell you, it lit him up. It lit him up. But because he was God manifest in the flesh, because he knew their thoughts and intents of their heart, because he knew their counsels, he had the authority to do that. I can't do that. I can't do that. This morning, I can't do that. I can't tell who's faking it, who's not, who's, who's doing, planning something. I don't know about it, but Jesus knew that. And you know, as I preach this word, he knows it this morning. And he's here this morning where two or more are gathered in my name. What is, what? He's present, isn't he? And he's here, and he's the same the same God that convicted these people of their hypocrisy is convicting you of your hypocrisy. And I have faith to believe that. And you know what? He's calling you like he was calling them to get, come clean. Get right with God. Give up the things of the world. Give up sin. Give up the darkness. And come to the light. Man. You know, your final judgment before God someday is going to involve this criteria. 2 Corinthians verses. 
chapter 5, verse 10 says this, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Speaking of Christians here. That everyone may receive the things done in the body according to it then, whether it be good or bad. So even Christians. Well, I'm a born-again Christian preacher, but I haven't really been living for God. Well, you, the, the things that you do in your body, someday you're going you're gonna to stand before Jesus Christ and be judged. When I, was, when I got out of that, after we hit that woman head on, and I, we went over, all the airbags went off, and I couldn't figure out how to open the door. Smoke, you know, and you got a little, these moments are going by, and you, by the way, you want to get out there, you just lift that little thing there, and you, door opened up. We get outside in the snow, and I walked out into the cornfield thinking, well, man, I'm, I'm hurt. I thought, well, man, what, wouldn't it be strange if I got to stand before God in a few minutes? But I didn't regret it. I wasn't scared. I wanted to. I was good. I, I, told, I told Hal, I'm good with it, Hal. I'm good. Whatever happens, I'm good. Oh, it's good. It's good to be a Christian. You don't know when the old death angel is going to come by your house. You just don't know. It's going to, you know, when you're least expected, you're elected. He's going to come by and say, hey, here it is. Ultimately, the only real, legitimate, honest, God-fearing, Bible-believing, word-keeping people will be pleasing in God's sight. That's what he's looking for. He's looking for you. He wants to save you, give you his power. Every plan which my heavenly Father had not planted, should be rooted up. We don't have to worry about all the faults. Some people spend way too much energy worrying about, you know, is, is this grown or is Islam grown or is this? You don't have to worry about any of that. Jesus said, I will build my church. He said the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That doesn't mean the church won't wax and wane. That doesn't mean that gospel Baptists will be here 50 years from now. One church does not depend on what, but what he's saying in the big picture, who's going who's to prevail? It's going to be Jesus Christ. He's going to be declared Lord of Lord and King of Kings. He's the one that they're going to, that every, every, every breath that every person's ever taken a breath is going to I'll stand before him and fall on their knees and say, Jesus, your Lord, including all the principalities and powers and thrones and dominions, including all the devil and all his angels and every demon out there are going to say the same thing. Jesus Christ, you are Lord, which in essence is saying you are truth. Truth. And all the false fakers will be found out that day. Ephesians 3.17, it says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that she being rooted and grounded in love. I want to be rooted and grounded. How about you? You want to be rooted and grounded this morning? Be rooted and grounded in love. Let God plant you. Uh, submit your hand to his hand. Submit to his word as you read it in his life. So let him plant you. And if you do, you'll stay planted, and you'll grow. And there'll be a certain amount of fruit out of your life that only he can bring forth. Boy, what did Jesus say about all them faults? He said, let him alone, let him alone, let him alone, let him alone. I'm going to take care of them. I'm going to take care of them. They're just blind people, leading blind people. And they're both going to fall in a ditch. They're both going to come up under the same judgment. They're both going to realize who I am eventually. But they've chosen not to for this moment. 
They've chosen the ways of dishonesty and they've created their own doctrines and they've created their own, their own way of worshiping that, 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 that pleases them, not pleases God. See, I care about what we do here at the gospel. Not whether it pleases me or it pleases the deacons or it pleases the people. I care that what we do here at gospel is honestly pleasing to God. We, we with all of our heart here at the gospel, are seeking through the music, through the specials, through everything you see go on here to be pleasing to God. Why? Because we've been planted by God. Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you can find out at the invitation here. You want to be planted by God? You want to know? You shouldn't leave this room today without knowing you know you have eternal life. Without knowing you know that you are birthed in as a child of the living God. Man, this isn't religion. This is faith in Jesus Christ. This is a life. This is a person. And then as a born-again believer... Just keep doing right. Keep doing right. Don't spend your energy on those that are not doing right. You know, sometimes we just talk too much about the, 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 sometimes we talk too much about the darkness and not enough about the light. How about we talk about the light? How about we get excited about what God is doing, not what God's not doing? A lot of times we get old. Problem with old people, there's a lot of problems with old people. I may write a little book on it. Nobody will read it. Old people reminisce too much. We reminisce too much. We're constantly thinking about the old days. Well, in the old days, I saw people walk the aisle by the hunters, or I saw people on the bus minister. I saw, it was always the old days. What's that do to a 20-something? What's that do to a 20-something? They're defeated. They're like, well, it's never going to be as good as the old days. I say, by the grace of God, it is going to be what God wants it to be, and it's going to be what he'll do through you, and we should not be reflecting back on what was, but on what could be and what will be in the future. I'm not going to discourage young people. The best is yet to come. If you just do the will of God in your life, and you allow God to plant you, you've done it as good as it's going to get. And nobody one-ups as you in the past. Do what God wants you to do. You say, look, if we got down to one bus ministry, we're going to rejoice. Let's say that first one, Brother Smitty, 25. If we just had one bus ministry today, and we were bringing in 25 young people, rather than you old folks talking about, we used to have eight bus ministries, we used to have five bus ministries, you know, which is where it would want to go. We should talk about the 25 that came in on the bus ministry today. Glory to God. Let's quit letting the, the past defeat us or even, look, the past is over. It ain't coming back. But the future is open. And we don't know what God's going to do in the future, amen? Except we know he's going to come and reign and rapture us and a bunch of that stuff. Woo. Let me say this. If we only had 25 coming on all the bus routes total, I'm still going to rejoice in every one of those souls. I thank God that somebody cared about me. And I thank God that these men and the women that go on this route care about those folks. Door to door we care. Just be planted by God. Father, help us this morning. Thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for the Bible. Thank you we can go back to the Bible over and over and over again. <laughs> 
Oh, it gives us comfort. It gives us grace. It gives us instruction. Shows us this is the way walk ye in it. There may be some here without Christ today with every head bowed and every eye closed. Nobody looking around. And there may be some folks here this morning that say, Brother Bill, if I die today, I don't do this every service, folks. So I just want to tell you that. But nobody looking around, please. But if I die today, Brother Bill, I am not sure. I'm not 100% sure. I'm like 50%, maybe 60%. But I'm not 100% sure if I die today, I'd go to heaven. I just got a doubt in my heart this morning. Listen, we're here to help you to know you know you have eternal life. These things have I written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. We don't have to bite our fingernails and wonder. I wonder if I'm saved or not. You can know. The Bible says you can know. And if, I'd love to pray with you. I'm not doing any more than that. We'll not ask you to come forward. We'll not ask you to move. But if you say, Brother Bill, I'm struggling this morning on this area, but would you pray for me? And I'll just, just I'm looking. Would you raise your hand? Let me pray for you. I'm struggling. I want to know. I want to know. I know. Any, anybody here this morning? Anybody? Oh, I hope that's true. I hope that's true. Man, that'd be rejoice my soul if that's so. Father, we just pray that you'd help Christians to be planted by God. That there'd be no hypocrisy in this room. There'd be no subterfuge. That God, we would not be talking bad about the, God's people or the people of God. We'd not be tearing down, we'd be building up. Forgive us, help us to just, wherever we're planted, to take root. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's stand together, sing two verses. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida, also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.